You are listening to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Claire O'Brien. In healthcare, we have so many questions about what's trending versus what's actually the truth. So on this show, we're going to get to the bottom of it. It's health, it's wellness, it's beauty, explained by the people who actually know what they're talking about. Welcome back to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I am your host, nurse practitioner, Claire O'Brien. And today I have one of my favorite, I would say America's favorite dietitians, Lauren Maniker here. She's been on the show multiple times before and is graceful enough to always come back. And today Lauren's here. We're going to talk about endocrine disruptors. So Lauren, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you. And I love that you are speaking for all of America when you say that I am everyone's favorite dietitian. I'll take it. Just casually. Starting that campaign, America's favorite dietitian. It's she's here today. You're welcome. Thank you. So, okay, the Great reason part. I have Lauren on and feel like she is an excellent person to talk to us about endocrine disruptors. So, one of Lauren's particular specialties in the dietetic space, which I want you to give a little bit, little bit of background on your education and kind of what differentiates dietitian versus nutritionist. Um, and kind of where your expertise comes from. But you, you really have done quite a lot of work in the fertility space. You've written three books, four books. I never get this right. Uh, Well, one fertility book and two pregnancy nutrition books. So it's kind of your jam. Fueling Male Fertility is Lauren's book for your man friends um, about how, what men can be doing to, to fuel their own fertility that would then help your fertility. Because as the saying goes, which is so cheesy, but it takes two to tango. So we can't forget about the fellas. In fact, it does. Really, we can't just put the whole burden on the women. Like, let's let's get it together, guys. Let's do it. First, tell a little bit of background on di- what is a dietitian? How did you become a dietitian and get into this space? Yes. So briefly, I've been a dietitian for um, a little over 20 years now. The difference between a dietitian and a nutritionist is that dietitians are required to, you know, spend some time in the hospital We see all different diseases, disease states. That's not to say nutritionists don't have their value, but from what I've seen, dietitians just take it a little deeper. You know, I basically was pre-med and undergrad. Um, We have to take an exam. We're required to take a certain amount of hours of supervised practice. And then every five years, we have to show that we've been taking continuing education, which really holds us accountable to stay up to date because- I mean, if I didn't, I'd still be telling everyone to like avoid fat and eat five bagels because that's what we were doing 20 years ago, you know? Yep. So I've been in the space for over 20 years. I've worked in hospitals, inpatient, outpatient industry, and now here I am doing my own thing. And you write for all the major publications, basically. I mean, USA Today, Pop Sugar, Very Well Health, Eating Well, Eat This, Not That. And you're, I mean, the reason I love connecting with you is because you're essentially not going to talk about things that aren't based in, in evidence and and the the research. I mean, you, well, you'll, you'll, you'll talk about them, but you always give that disclaimer. I mean, I just, I I love the way that you present information. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm very cautious and I'm all, I mean, it's so boring. I'm always saying if something is based on observational data, what that means. You know, I, I really try to not fear monger 
yeah. which doesn't get as many clicks, but I just right. I feel better about it. Well, and that's it's so it's important. And I mean, what we're going to talk about today, I mean, we're gonna, so we're going to talk about endocrine disruptors, which is like so controversial, not not controversial. I don't even know if controversial is the right word. It's a hot topic. It's like a Kara hot says, topic. It's, so hot. it's hot. It's we're sliving. We're sl- we're going to be sliving. Is today. that a word? That's a it's a word that she has made up. I think it's I think y'all I'm showing my age here. I think it's slay. And living together, sliving. I could, it, I could also be totally wrong about that. That's I just... mean, I kind of follow Paris Hilton's advice mm-hmm. when it comes to new words or words we should be using. So I'm in. We're sliving. We're doing it. So no, you're right. It's a super. It's just a hot, buzzy topic, and and it is. I feel like the people who are getting the most attention are very. What's the word I'm looking for? Polarized about it. E- they're either you have to eat all organic. All well, we're going to talk about first endocrine disruptors, what they are and where we find them in our, in our diet, what we're eating. And so the people who are getting a ton of attention are all organic all the time or everything, everything's totally fine. And there's like not much in between, which is kind of where you live and people don't want to hear as much about that. No. Well, also it, it makes it harder to convey the message because it's not all yes or all no. It's nuanced. It's nuanced. Yes. Yeah, which is so, harder um, for people to understand. So, okay, what is an endocrine disruptor? So, and I'll let you chime in too, because, you know, you have fantastic background as well. So I don't think we should be discounting you, but from what, how I look, how I view it, endocrine disruptors are essentially what it sounds like. They're compounds that can disrupt parts of your endocrine system. So we really, we can also look at them as hormone disruptors. Mm -hmm. They can mimic certain hormones. They can, I'm trying to explain this in a very high level way. Yeah. They're compounds that can have a negative effect on your hormones. So that is important in my space because hormones can impact your fertility, right? And they can also impact your pregnancy. If you don't have your hormones in levels that are what is considered to be ideal, you could potentially not be ovulating regularly. If you're not ovulating, you're not going to get pregnant naturally. So, you know, you have to release that egg for it to be fertilized. So we're, we're starting to look more into how endocrine disruptors can impact fertility and other aspects of our health as well. I do think it's a newer field. And I think people get frustrated with healthcare providers that they're not proactively talking about it. But I also think the data is not there yet for us to definitively know exactly what to say to people. Mm. We're getting there. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't think we're there yet. Which is hard when you're in a 10-minute appointment with someone about, let's say high blood pressure, I don't know, you know, whatever, or they're there for their sinus infection. I mean, we just, I I also wonder when people think we're going to give them this information, you know, like if you're not there for a specific problem that may be directly related to a hormone issue. I mean, then I don't know. It's, it's just, it's a lot. There's so much information about so many things. And I feel like we kind of have to prioritize. I'm like, okay, well, I'd rather tell you smoke and drink less, you know, to lower your risk of cancer and cardiac disease than talk about hormones. I don't know. I'm not primary care. Thank God. I don't know how anybody does it. I mean, there's so much information that people want and need to be given, but it's completely overwhelming. 
Yeah. Well, it's unrealistic in 10 minutes to cover everything. Even 30. Which I is mean, hopefully where we come in, though. We can hopefully right. fill that gap. That's right. So Here you're are. welcome. You're welcome, America. Here's your favorite dietitian. So <laughs> whether you whether, whether you like it or, or not, not now, you could, I'm your favorite dietitian. I totally disagree. But here she is. So, okay, the way that I feel like it comes up the most in from a food standpoint right now is is the organic versus non-organic conversation. And yes, kind of the way that that I have seen it approached, which I appreciate this this stance. So Roundup, I would say, is the most mm-hmm. well-known. Also, I appreciate that you said the word compound and not chemical because people are very triggered by the word chemical. I know. I see what see what you did there, um, but also re- everybody remember everything is a chemical, including water. So Roundup, I would say, is the most well known pesticide, fungicide. I don't even know what it is, that we spray all over our, our our plants that we eat. And correct me if I'm wrong, R- Roundup is like a known endocrine disruptor, right? Like it is, it has been shown to be for sure. It is a, it is a hormone disruptor. Yes. What comes into play where people are going back and forth is how much really has an effect on the body. Yes. So, you know, people who are physically spraying, they're breathing it in They're They're not, they could potentially not be in great shape. They're not doing well, but you know, if you have a bowl of cereal that can possibly have ha, using an ingredient that has potentially been sprayed with glyphosate like four times a year. In my opinion, I don't think that they're going to like have these major fertility issues, depending on what else they're doing in their life. But it's, you know, back to that whole the dose makes the poison story. Right. So I think that that's where the researchers are trying to dig in into, you know, how much. And, you know, one school of thought is, well, why are we even using this, right? If we know that it can potentially cause harm, but not everybody agrees. I want to put this out there too. Okay, so, well, so back to glyphosate is is the the real name for for Roundup. Sorry, God, I hope they don't like sue me for the, whatever, it doesn't matter. So... Uh, the the reason I kind of brought that one up first is, I, and I like the way Dr. B phrased this one time I saw him kind of, I, it was like a tweet or something. And I said, yeah, okay, that makes sense. He was basically just saying, hey, look, I we know that this particular compound is sprayed on non-organic. So Roundup or glyphosate is found in non-organic fruits and vegetables, foods, what have you. Organic mm-hmm. does not have that. Now it has other compounds, pesticides, chemicals, whatever terminology you want to use. It's just semantics at this point. And he said, you know, for me, the only way I know to avoid this known, and he was actually speaking about it from a cancer perspective, but it's a, also, I think now classified as a type one or class one carcinogen as well. And he said, the only, the only way I know to avoid these is by choosing organic, you know, when, when I can, which you can't really I mean, there's no argument for that. You can't be like, that's not true. I mean, well, for right now, it's absolutely, it's correct. And so it's that, absolutely true. that and, kind of helped me frame it. Yes. And that's why for me, and mm-hmm. I'm not telling other people what to do. I'm a big soy girl. I think soy is amazing for women's health. I choose organic soy, organic tofu when I can, mm-hmm. because soy crops tend to be sprayed with glyphosate if they're not grown organically. Mm-hmm. So I'm not 
afraid of conventionally grown food, but because soy crops tend to be one that lean on glyphosate, choosing organic, same, same vibe, choosing organic ensures that I'm not consuming glyphosate. However, across the street, when I order my miso soup with chunks of tofu in it, I've never asked if it's organic. Like I still order my miso soup and I order it. So, you know, when I have control and when I'm home, I choose organic because it's just as easy for me. For me, the price difference isn't that great. But I feel like the benefits of consuming soy outweigh the risks of having a little bit of glyphosate exposure. So that's what I do. Is that perfect for everybody? No, but that's how I approach it. Well, and I think most would agree with that approach to fruits and vegetables as well, you know, and the the issue comes in for me, then you kind of have the other side of things where every, you've got these really large public figures and accounts essentially saying all, you know, all, all food is good. Everything is healthy. Eat what you want. The, The pendulum has swung so far on both sides. I think it's really, really confusing for people. And, and the problem is cost, right? Because organ- I, I was at Harris Teeter last week. The organic strawberries were $10. Listen, I came home from Whole Foods. I said to my husband, do you want like chicken or, or strawberry? Or, those are your two choices because that's right. what we Right. So I think we would all say – get the fruit, get, now you can get into like frozen fruit, dried fruit. There's a million different things you can do. But if you're, if your kids love fresh strawberries, which mine do, the berry budget in this house is very high. And the, the strawberries at Publix, Harris Teeter, Bilo, whatever are $10 and the regular ones are $5. You need to get the $5 ones. Or even if you just want to get the $5 ones, great. Absolutely. I think we should, but I think, I think people are put in this polarized position now of where they are almost like paralyzed with not knowing what to do because they hear if I don't eat organic, I'm going to get cancer or I'm going to be infertile and then I'm going to die. Or if I eat all organic, then I'm never going to have any health problems. And this is my only choice. And if I don't buy organic for my family, you know, I'm putting my kids at risk and it's, yeah, I, I mean, it's like paralyzing, I think. And you know, the issue, another issue I see is people are then becoming afraid of eating produce. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I showed you the story. I'll share the story with you again if you've heard it already. Here's a little story time. Okay. I was eating lunch at the Butcher and Bee before mm. it became the big Butcher and Bee and before it closed. It was just like a sandwich salad shop. So mm-hmm. like a hundred years ago. And I was eating a kale salad. Again, I didn't say, is this organic? Like I just ordered a kale yeah, salad. A kale. And this random woman, the setup was benches. So it was kind of community. I was sitting with this other family with this older woman who was eating like this beef brisket sandwich with like half fat, half beef, you know, it like on white bread and mayonnaise. And, you know, she chimed in letting me know how terrible kale is and it's covered with pesticides as she's chowing down on her fat You're sandwich. Honking on a piece of fat. And first of all, like, don't comment on random people's food as I'm doing this about her now, but I don't know. Her. She's probably not listening to this. <laughs> yeah. The other thing is like, I, 90% of Americans are not 
consuming the recommended amounts of fruits and vegetables. So that's concerning for fertility reasons. Right. You're missing out on those antioxidants. It's concerning for cancer risk reduction, heart health, you name it, right? Mm-hmm. So when we are so scared to eat a kale salad because it may not be organic, like, I think we're missing the big picture here. So again, like when I'm home and I have control, I wash my produce like a psychopath. I try and eat organic unless it's like $10 strawberries. I'll be honest. I didn't buy the $10 strawberries. Yeah. I bought the and $5 it's, it's not always. It's like hit or miss. It just depends. It's yeah, yeah. Like But right totally now random. it's it's probably miss. $10. It's yeah. a total yeah, miss. It's, it's winter. So, you know, for me, and especially in the fertility space, I'm so much more concerned about people eating foods that contain antioxidants, Mm -hmm. like fruits and vegetables, versus like being totally scared to order a kale salad out because that kale salad may not be organic. No, absolutely. And, you know, everyone's interpretation is different. That's my approach. I'd rather you eat conventionally grown produce than no produce at all. I also think it's important to remember to wash your produce, even if it is organic. Yeah, when you wash your produce, I know I'm like dying because I can see Lauren on video and she, they, we've got new puppies at the same time and... I feel like I might as well have a hundred newborns. Um, like I, I agree. <laughs> oh, I, I have a puppy support group going around. I can put you on the list because Thank we you. all cry to each other. Today. Thank you. Just don't do it. Also, RIP to Butcher and Bee's kale salad. Just, just saying, just putting it out there. It was so good. Oh my gosh, I love. So well, they're they're gone now. I know, I know. If you're listening, very sad. Shim Tobs, we come love back. you. Uh, we can go to Nashville and have back. Butcher and Bee. So, okay, but what do you wash? I I got, maybe it was at Whole Foods. I don't know. Whole Foods has one. Trader Joe's has one. They probably have them everywhere. Do you use, I will say this, one time Tilly washed, I'd gotten like a Costco load of berries and I was letting her wash it and she was just doing the water and then she like doused it. I was not paying attention for three seconds. She doused it in like liquid dish soap and like those berries could not, we could not come back from that. They straight up absorbed yeah. that soap and it tasted like blueberry yep. soap. It was awful. So what do you wash? Do you do like the vinegar mix? I don't have time for that. I'll, again, like if I have time, yes, right. I'll do the vinegar mix. I emphasize the importance of really scrubbing when you can. How are you scrubbing a so raspberry, like, Lauren? It's going to turn into mush. How are you scrubbing a raspberry? Well, the raspberries are harder. Right. So... You know, okay, so I, if I you can, let's say maybe blueberries, strawberries, orange, like, uh, apples. You know, like some people just kind of like half rinse their apple and then they eat it. Like I'm taking a paper towel and rubbing. Okay. You know. Oh All my right. God, this so I'm really, you know, washing. Like when I get lettuce, like I'm white, like I'm washing it off, you know, You're wiping the lettuce. I'm, I wipe my lettuce leaves. Yes. Okay. How do you feel about this? I hope that my husband isn't listening. Maybe I do. I don't know how you're going to answer. So I'll, we'll see. Okay. If I buy a bag of like, let's say spinach or whatever, and it says triple washed. I, yeah. I read this article one time that I've hung my hat on entirely. That was like, don't rewash it because it's already been washed. And then you're introducing bacteria from your water and it's actually worse and blah, blah, blah. Are you rewashing the lettuce that says it's already been washed? I don't. You I, don't. I trust. No. Yes. Go with God, little lettuce. That's how I feel. Okay. But now a lot of romaine is not washed. And so I'll have to wash it. And it really annoys me. Do you have a salad spinner? I do have a salad spinner. I love my salad spinner. I know, I but you know, I, I have need a, one. I'm like drowning in gadgets. 
Yeah, we were just talking about your bread maker. I got to I gotta draw the line. Although I do have one empty drawer in my kitchen right now. Maybe I'll put a bread maker and a salad spinner in there and we'll just really be sliving in 2024. Well, my bread maker lives in a corner in my dining room because I have no more space in my kitchen. Oh, God. Okay, that gives me anxiety. I can't do that. Okay. I know. All right. It's too much. Bringing well, because people are sending me stuff. Stop sending me kitchen gadgets. That's true. Well, it is kind of your job a little bit. You do make recipes and things for a living. So... I can see where we've gone with that. But like back to the the organic versus not organic. I mean, let's say you're at Costco. I will notice, you know, like a big bag of organic strawberries versus not organic. The price difference is usually like a dollar. And that that seems like to me that's worth it. But I totally I get it. I mean, I I get like if you have a big family or you know, I mean, gosh, like groceries are so out of control right now. I mean, eggs, we can't can't even talk about eggs. It's insane. But it's, I, I think it's important for people to hear that and understand frozen fruit. Also, just from the fertility standpoint, like you said, y- you would prioritize the f- the fruits and vegetables, period, over yes. organic any day. That's nice to hear. Yes. I mean, listen, if you can afford it and you have access to it, I'm not going to say don't pick organic and like go out of your way to pick conventionally grown. Access. That's but another if- one. Yeah. I mean, some people don't have access to organic strawberries in February, you know, so I want you to eat your strawberries. We're very hung up on strawberries today, which is fine. I love strawberries. Another thing I want to point out, there's a very cool study that came out, maybe it was like two years ago, and they looked specifically at diets of people who were undergoing IVF. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we always tend to recommend following the Mediterranean diet when people are trying to conceive just because that's been shown in the data more than other dietary patterns. This study looked specifically at those undergoing IVF. And one big aspect of the people who had success in that whole world was that they ate less produce with pesticide residue. Okay. So people interpret that as eat organic. I don't. Mm. I interpret that as clean your fruit because they're not saying organic, organically grown produce can have organic pesticides, right? So they're not pesticide free. They're not pesticide residue free. They're just, they have organic. I'm not confident in saying all organic pesticides will have no effect on your health. Okay. Well, we don't know, right? Because they're kind of new, like in the scheme of things, how, how long has organic existed versus conventional? And it takes decades of, of use when it's at such a low dose. It takes decades of using something before we have broad, like population data to say, like, uh, let me think of one that's happening right kind of in real time, like melatonin versus CBD. So there's more data coming out about like melatonin in the long-term use and like, eh, maybe it's not the best. And so people are like, oh, let me switch to CBD. Well, I mean, you guys, like CBD is kind of new in terms of the massive population that's using it. And so- it's it's considered a little bit more natural right now for some reason, I guess, because it's grown as a, a plant versus, I don't know, what, it doesn't matter. But we don't know. I mean, we could be saying the same thing in 10 years that turns out we should have been hoovering all the CBD. So, I mean, organic pesticides, I have no clue how long they've been along. Oh, yeah, around. we don't know. I mean, 
Back to the whole glyphosate thing. At least we know we're picking organic. We know we're not getting exposure to the glyphosate, which I look at as win. But my point of all that is even if you're picking organic, you still got to wash it, guys. Yeah. Because it still has pesticides on it. Fungicides, pesticides. What are the other? Herbicides. Herbicides. Think about all the people that touched it. It's kind of gross. You don't know if everyone washed it. Well, and there's like bugs and dirt. I mean, if if you bought celery that's not like pre-cut, the celery straight up has clots of dirt on it, like actual dirt. Like that I have to physically scrub to get the dirt, the dirt bushels off. Well, celery is also this thing. So that's not in my world. Okay. I don't really know what to do with that, but. Oh, good. Celery? What's delicious? Now I'm not drinking celery juice, but like I'll crunch on a piece of celery. No, tuna salad. (laughs) No, mm. I, it tastes like saliva to me. I just you can't. put watercress in your smoothies. Yeah, well, that's peppery. Yeah, that's okay. That's weird, you know. So to each his own. <laughs> okay, that's why I'm not telling other people what to do. I'm saying what I do. Oh, I'm so, gonna eat okay. celery. So for all the story with all this, please, please eat your produce. If you can't eat organic, great. If you can't get your hands on organic, that doesn't mean to skip your produce. Just wash it well, please and thank you. And frozen produce can be just as nutritious as fresh, and sometimes it can be cheaper. Dried fruit we shouldn't be afraid of because it's just concentrated. Like if you're eating a prune, uh Mm -hmm. it's just a plum that's dehydrated. So you look at plums like, oh, they're so healthy. They're so good for you. And prunes are like the devil. It doesn't really make much sense when you think about it. Just don't eat five. Don't eat 15 at a time, you know? Well, just remember, yeah. Like I think about that every time I boiled peanuts. I'm like, would I sit down and hoover an entire bag of roasted peanuts? Probably not because that's a lot of like fat, sodium, calorie, like all of it. But I will do that when I'm eating boiled peanuts. So well, like raisins, like you think about like, all right, this was a grape. Yeah. How many grapes would I normally eat? You know? Yeah, yeah no, for so sure. That, that's my soapbox about produce. We love produce. I want to tell you guys about my favorite supplement company, Thorn. Our family personally uses several of their products. So I use their collagen in the morning, and then I use a few things that were recommended by my headache doctors. The reason we use Thorn is they are so high quality, highly tested. They don't have fillers like so many other supplement companies do. They have partnerships with hospitals and organizations all over the country, like Mayo Clinic, Medical University of South Carolina, the UFC, huge athletic organizations. So if you are looking for high quality supplements, I always recommend Thorn. You can get 15% off any Thorn products by going to Thorn, that's Thorn with an E, thorn.com slash U slash Dabbleco. Create an account and you'll get 15% off and free shipping every time. I'll put that link in the show notes. Hampton Clothing has been a staple of Charleston and nationally renowned boutique for over a decade. So it is my personal go-to for those incredibly unique, high quality pieces that truly stand the test of time, honestly, and elevate my simple wardrobe every day. I love being able to text my stylist and have her always keeping an eye out for me for pieces that I'll love when things go on sale, things that I can pair with what I already have. So if you're looking for brands and styles that you can't find anywhere else, Hampton is a must. Well, and the reason we started talking about all this again is we were we were talking about skincare and hormone disruptors or endocrine disruptors and you being in the in the fertility space and we're like what how can we talk about 
this particular aspect of it. And I started really taking a look at what lines we carry and, and I, because, you know, most of the patients that I see are women. And so they would ask me about it and, you know, I could say very easily, Hey, I follow the ACOG guidelines, which is American college of obstetrics and gynecology. I could say I follow ACOG guidelines for certain ingredients that have been studied and shown to be either safe or safe at X percentage. Um, GRAS is generally recognized as safe in pregnancy or, or nursing, but what ACOG is really not going to talk about, because like you said, we just don't have the data, is they're not going to talk about other things that are in skincare that may be endocrine disrupting at certain levels that aren't necessarily these, these same type of ingredients like parabens, phthalates, fragrance even, that kind of thing. So how... I know what we've talked about, but what would you say would your guidance be, you know, if someone was coming to you for, for a holistic approach to what they should and should not be considering doing during fertility? So it, it's tricky. We didn't share this in the beginning when we were doing my intro, but I underwent IVF and this whole fertility journey for over mm-hmm. five years. Mm-hmm. So there's a huge emotional aspect that I don't find a lot of these influencers are taking into account. You know, my specialty is more food than, you know, skincare and things like that. But right. there's a statistic that up to 30% of females that are struggling with fertility can struggle with an eating disorder. Like there's a huge control aspect where you can maybe take it too far, which can take a toll on your mental health, Right. So, you know, you could say to someone, just live, quote unquote, clean, right? Cut all this stuff out. Don't use what you usually use with your personal care products and give your your life a complete overhaul. And depending mm-hmm. on the person, that can not do them a positive service mm-hmm. emotionally, which yep. then creates this whole other issue, right? So yeah. I think it really depends on the person how you approach this. For me, I'm not pregnant. I'm not trying to get pregnant. I always evaluate the risk benefit, right? We know that these compounds, too much exposure of these compounds are linked to negative health outcomes. Mm -hmm. But that's not saying that living, like, I hate using the word toxin, but that's kind of what people resonate. Yeah, they'll hear. Yeah. Like the data isn't saying like these people who live toxin-free we're free from all of these ailments because you can't live toxin free. So right. I kind of pick two. So my, what do I use? Tret, tretinoin? How do you, you, you use that word? use tretinoin, Angel, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like that's not really like what I would call a clean product. You know, they're not like organic and all this. It's using that word chemical, right? Mm-hmm. I use it because it works better than anything else I've used. So to me, like it's the benefit of having pretty skin over like putting the stuff in my body. But there are other things like my shampoos, my lotions. I really make a point to make sure that they're free of like everything. Right. So I don't have as much of an exposure to it. I think what's interesting too is like some of the, some of the, the, 
compounds that are used in things like skincare, shampoo, like, so let's take parabens, for example, it's basically a preservative, right? And so I noticed with a particularly clean brand one time sent me some stuff and really liked the products. It was moldy within six weeks. Well, that means there's been mold underneath for significantly longer than I can actually see with my naked eye. And I could be wrong, but I think the clean toxin, whatever community would say mold is like one of their biggest hats, things that they hang their hat on is they're trying to, you know, limit exposure to toxins. Mold is a known toxin, right? So it's hard for me. I mean, I'm like, well then, okay. And I'm not, you know, pick your battles. Like, I don't know which one is worse to, to knowingly be putting mold all over your face and body because there's no parabens like Pete, are we robbing Peter to pay Paul? And then phthalates, this is my understanding are a compound that helps. I hope I'm not like totally butchering this definition, but they basically like help keep plastic degradation from happening. Mm-hmm. Does that sound right? Yeah, I buy it. Yeah. So you're sure. Here, who's to say? <laughs> and and so I'm like, okay, but isn't also that important? And then people would say, well, put your skincare in glass. And I'm like, well, glass is really expensive. And then you got to ship it in glass. I mean, and properly packed in it. And it, like that opens this whole other door. And it's just, and then it's more expensive. And then people can't afford it. And yada, yada. And we just, it's like a pull, pulling at the string. And where are we pulling the string? And are we robbing Peter to pay Paul? And I don't know what you think about that. And that's not when people ask my opinion. It's like a, 40 minute answer because it's not a straight black or white yes or no. I mean, there's so yeah. many considerations that go into it that it's it's really a personalized thing, which really, here's a plug for you, which is why you should talk to Claire one-on-one mm-hmm. and have her navigate to figure out what you should be putting on your face. Yeah. And I, and I really do. And I, I, this is why I love having you on because we have these conversations in real life. And then I'm like, we should probably put this on a podcast because if I want to know about it, that means other people want to know about it. And I do, I have that conversation individually with women several times a week. It's, I hear people are either trying to get pregnant or they're going through fertility or treatments or they're, you know, nursing or whatever. And I have individualized conversations with people all the time. You know, we talk about risk benefit and I absolutely have women that say exactly what you just said in the beginning, talking about your journey, that they're like, I can't think about another thing that I have to either cut out of my life or put into my life or add another layer of stress. And they're like, to me right now, self-care is getting on a good skincare routine that makes me feel good and that I like. And I'm like, cool. I've, to- I've totally support that. Everything that I recommend is, is ACOG, you know, supported anyway. So it's just an interesting conversation. And I think, you know, as providers, we do need to hear what we don't need to totally discount it and say, well, ACOG says all this is fine. Well, cause like you said, they're not going to comment on it right now. We don't have good enough data. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I just think in good conscience, I can't give a hard yes or a hard no yet. I mean, listen, there are a lot of people that put a lot of junk in and on their bodies and they get pregnant immediately. So absolutely, it, I can't say, you know, I, do, I also don't want to give false hope where like if you totally give your skincare routine an overhaul and you only eat organic food, that's going to be your you know, because I, I can't guarantee that there are so many factors that go into play. So yeah. it's it's 
tricky and we're still learning. I mean, I was actually in a study. You saw this, I think. Yeah, this article. I was going through IVF. Yeah, there was an article about it that um, when I was going through IVF, they gave me this whole questionnaire to ask like what I ate when I was younger, like the 80s. So Chef Boyardee and all this. Vienna crap. sausages. Yeah, I mean, just awful. not awful. Del- I don't want to delish. Like, but, you know, exposure to BPA and all these things that we now know aren't great and endocrine disrupting. And then they checked the fluid in my, like my follicular fluid, right? So when they were taking out my eggs, they would keep the fluid to check levels to see if there was any correlation between IVF success and the female having higher or lower levels of these potential endocrine disruptors, right? Yeah. And it was a smaller study and they found like, yeah, there was a potential link and people were like enraged that this wasn't publicized more and people aren't proactively talking about it. And I agreed with what the doctors said. They're like, look, this is one study of like, I think it was like 20 people mostly white in South Carolina, like we cannot from this one study say right. eating Chef Boyardee is going to cause infertility. Like well, it's just and, that's not the way research works. No, you know? it's not. It's you're like relying on your memory of what you ate as a child. Like that's right. a pretty low, in my, in my opinion, like that's a pretty low specificity for like you said, yeah. like a whole ass study to be making. And the great- The data set wasn't diverse. The data set was small. Like it's a starting point. And I'm finding in the data, there's a lot of starting points. And yeah, like I do think that there's a link, but I don't think the medical community has enough to come out and say it yet, you know? Right. Right. And there's a lot of factors at play, obviously, to say uh, we, they don't want a massive, you know, multi-state, you know, longitudinal study looking at all of this, because that would then say we shouldn't potentially be eating this or that. And we know, you know, we talk about big pharma a lot, but there's like big produce, big grain, like all of it. I mean, there's a lot of money at play. So just very interesting. On the other side, a lot of money too. And there's a lot of people who like really, really push these clean beauty products. And again, I'm not saying that there isn't value to limiting your exposure Mm -hmm. to these disrupting chemicals, but they make it sound like your whole family is going to die if you put anything other than their product on their skin. And then in the same breath, I see them on Instagram, like housing a paper of donuts, you know, like, yeah. So I, I think you also have to consider your source. You know, I think that there's a lot of noise on social media making it sound like the beauty products are the culprit. But then, yeah, like I go out to the bar every other night with my friends and that's not a problem. So, it, right. you know, they're making money off of the skincare products. So, of course, no, like for that's sure. the, So I think you need to consider the source of your information sometimes. Yeah, agree. All totally the time. Agree. And that goes that's for me as well. I mean, I, I, you know, like that goes for me. I mean, consider like my source of like – I you know, I have a vested interest in what I'm recommending often too. And it's um, like, Hey, if I recommend a prescription, oh, anyway, that's a whole nother conversation, but <laughs> like, like no, never mind. Oh, Lauren. Well, thank you for coming. This is a delightful conversation. 
Thank you for having me. I'm very glad to now be everybody's favorite dietitian. That's right. That's or right. We'll be taking or... a poll at the end of this to see. Um, if no, don't. I don't, don't want to know the answer. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, Just I don't my mother and you. Yep. We agree. Well, guys, as always, if you liked this episode, please share it, rate the podcast and subscribe. And that is how we keep getting great guests and having great conversations. And thanks for coming. I'll see you next week. Wait, Claire. What? Don't leave me. Congratulations for 100 episodes. Oh, thank you. Thanks. I think that's a big milestone. So yeah. let's keep it going. We will. 